What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to another episode of Hijas Gablan. I am Brianna. And I'm Lenny. I'm Maria Jose. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Susie. Susie, say hi. Hello. Susie um, and I have become acquainted because our, well, we're friends. Yeah. Susie, I think we're friends, we're friends, don't you? Yeah, I'd say we're friends. Um, <laughs> um, we pay? met through our, I, I guess. Wow. Woo. I'm nervous. Wow. Okay. We're friends now. And um, not to like speak on Susie's behalf, but I would say that we're pretty good friends. Um, we talk often. Very often, actually, multiple <laughs> times a week. We probably see each other like once a week. <laughs> we see each other pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, our boyfriends, our boyfriends, they, <laughs> they, they hang out in the same friend group. They went to high school together. Uh, they play football together. So we, we are embedded in the same friend group. And we both started dating our boyfriends around the same time. So... Yeah, so we got introduced to this friend group together and kind of navigated. Um, Susie and I are very similar in the way <laughs> that we don't have a lot of friends and our boyfriends do. So Susie and I related amongst a lot of things um, once like being introduced and kind of figuring out um, how to make friends. Uh, especially when you are kind of thrusted into this group that's been friends for like years and a lot of them have been partnered with their partners for like years. So um, it's it's been, and we don't know anybody. Yeah. So like even the, there's like one couple who's only been dating, I think for like two, two and a half years, but they all still went to high school together. So like Susie and I are pretty, are I think the only ones who did not go to school with Mm -hmm. them. Um, But yeah, Susie, do you want to introduce us to yourself? Tell us about you. Um, what do I start off with? I don't know. I grew up in Oak Cliff. I am the oldest of three, the only girl. Um, I am first generation. Oh my God, we all have that in common. I know, we're all the oldest. Well, we're not the only girls, but we're all the oldest girl. Um, First generation, I have my bachelor's from Baylor in Waco, uh, master's, I went to UTA. Um, I am, I went to school to be, um, this is where it gets tricky. I'm a social worker by like license profession. Um, but I, my current role is a therapist. I work in a primary care clinic for Baylor Scott and White. We provide integrated behavioral health, meaning, um, patients can come see their PCP, their counselor, their pharmacist, their nutritionist, that we have a chaplain on team too, all in the same spot. And so we are housed in the Juanita Craft Rec Center, which is in like South Dallas Fair Park area. And we are one of the seven clinics in the Baylor Scott and White HTPN system that's considered a community care clinic. And so we serve underfunded, underinsured patients. My clinic specifically, where it's located, uh, I see a lot of patients who experience a lot of grief, a lot of trauma, a lot of depression and anxiety, and a lot of just lack of knowledge about mental health. There's a lot of stigma, mm-hmm. right, in the African-American and Latinx communities. So having to work from really like the bottom with my patients in terms of like, what is therapy? What is depression? What is anxiety? What is grief? You know, what are emotions? And that's where a lot of my work falls into in this uh, clinic. I have hobbies, I guess. I like working out. (laughs) That's pretty much what I do. If I'm not working out, I'm probably at home. Um, with my boyfriend or with my family, don't really hang out with. She also just recently moved in with her boyfriend. Yeah, so, so we're also navigating that together right now. Twins. <laughs> I know it was. We literally moved the same weekend. It's literally it was like crazy. same life, different font. Dang. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I like we moved out kind of to like the country. Yeah. Um, I like it. I used to it's, live in Waco. I really miss like just not being surrounded by a lot of people. And so that, that living here now um, brings me back to that. What else do y'all want to know about me? I don't know. What do y'all want to know? You have questions mm-hmm. about her background real quick before we we'll get into it. Get into it. I don't even know. I feel that like... For me, obviously, like, thinking about Baylor, I think of, like, a very, very white school because I went to SMU for my master's. So my always my train goes to, like, how was how was that? So it was, oh, for high school, I went to Ursuline. If you're not familiar with Ursuline, it's a private all-girls, like, school, which is very different than, like, the other schools I went to. The other schools I went to were just, like, Hispanic majority so when i went to baylor i was kind of already used to that environment yeah but when i started high school it was a big like culture shock for me because i didn't like i didn't know what chick-fil-a was i didn't know what like vera bradley was i didn't know like all of this stuff and i think that's why i also like i'm not used to having a lot of friends because all my friends lived far from me we didn't like all grow up like on the same street and stuff so Ursuline is is different because when Bree said that you were from Oak Cliff I was like oh I wonder what high school you went to but yeah we would have never crossed paths <laughs> if you went to Ursuline <laughs> like not at all so that's you went like, to funny. Townview right Maria? yeah and that's why Eric too for some reason I thought Eric was from Oak Cliff or like from mm-hmm. Dallas do you want me and Lenny to give our updates um yeah go ahead i don't have a lot of updates um (laughs) you want us to give updates has no updates to give people (laughs) but i did share with the the, the, like with everybody though like i'm going to a conference this week by the time this airs i would have already gone to the conference so hopefully i don't freeze my ass off in minnesota um i have been feeling sadsies because of the holidays you know seasonal depression spending thanksgiving without my family i feel like brings me back to how sadsies this time was especially like when i moved away for college like a lot of those feelings like are coming back like it feels like i've abandoned them so i've been navigating through that a lot of me and my therapist michaela been working through that and just like also just navigating I also moved out with my partner like end of July. So not exactly around the same time as y'all, but we both moved like across the country for me to start this program. That's so crazy. And so, but plot twist, their brother moved with us too. Mm. So that's been a dynamic that we've been dealing with. A lot of like parental things, Mm. like I'm not your parent. So just that, I feel like, has also been difficult. He's 19. Early, oh, I was going to say early 20s. Oh, my gosh. He's 19. Okay, yeah. That is a fresh age to move out. Yep. And it's been Um, just, like, it's just been, like, you want to be treated like an adult, but then. Boys are different. Yes. Yes. Very. And I I come from, like, a girl household, you know, like, it's my mama, me, my sis. My dad is the only dude in the house, like. Same. So it's been weird that like that I've never had to deal with that either. Like I don't have brothers, just like a lot of newness that I don't know if I have the capacity to do or the willingness to do. <laughs> so I'm just getting tired, you know, fed up with that. But yeah, that is me. Dang, don't let him hear this podcast. He's not here. This is why I'm I'm being free in my speech, you know. <laughs> How's Mo like in between all of this? Is she, are they like the mediator or how's that going? Mediator, yes, but then also no. Like I feel like Malika is also the oldest. So I think that like my previous theory of saying that like the best relationships are with an older, younger pair. Yeah. So that's not me and Malika. We're both older siblings. And I feel like because like, they're the oldest sibling. They feel a sense of responsibility mm. for their brother. But I'm just like, you can't do everything for him. You know, like, there's a sense of, like, hand-holding and just, like, coddling that happens that I'm just, like, I'm not used to because that's never been my reality, right? Right. But then also just, like, you're 19. Like, you have you should be able to figure out certain things like 
on your own. So there's that. I feel like just to cut him some slack, it's easy for all of us to say that because we all had to figure it out in a sense. So you know, like I, I tell my, my sister tells me all the time. She's like, I don't know that I would have gotten through college as, as far as like admission process as mm-hmm. easy as I could have only because I had already done it yeah. and at the exact same school. Yeah. So it's like, um, like no, just, yeah. I don't know if he deserves the slack, but maybe just a teensy bit. Yeah. I feel that like my mom told me to mind my business <laughs> like I told her, because me and him had like a big argument, like via text, um, oh. something we still haven't talked about. And it's just like really triggering oh. because I feel that like in my household, like when we would have arguments, like we would go at each other. Everybody would mm-hmm. go to their respective rooms and we would wake and up like y'all. nothing happened, you know. And it's just like that was a that was something that I had to work a lot through in therapy. And it's like. I, it's now within my space, like within my home, like within mine and Malika's home. So like, it's something that I'm just like, this isn't what I wanted. I didn't want to replicate patterns that my parents or that I had in my household. So a lot of the things are just like really, really triggering. And so it's just like, it's becoming like a thing where it's just like, it's just coming for my peace. And I'm just like, you're going to have to go back to Dallas. That's where I stand. Malika knows this. So if Malika listens to the podcast, I didn't tell you this in person. But I feel like that's where I'm at. And it's also like, because when I think of my sister, right, my sister is like a year or two older than him. But like, even my sister, like, she's been able to navigate things as well. You know, like, of course, I'm there to support her. But I've, I've never held her hand through anything. And maybe that is like my own trauma that I've had to deal with right that I've never had my hand held through things you know like you said so like but like what is that saying like if you give a man a fish something but you gotta teach him how whatever (laughs) white people say Um, (laughs) if you I think if you give a man a fish he'll eat for a day but if you teach him how to fish he'll eat for a lifetime there we go Malika is good at giving the fish I'm like, gotcha. we got to teach him how to fish, you know? Understood. Yeah. But that's me. Lenny, how are you doing? What are your oh updates? My. Um, I went to go see Suicide Boys with my brother. So that was pretty fucking lit. How was that? I, f- I used to say Lord was my favorite concert of all time. Nah, this topped. This, the energy was unbelievable. It was amazing. I was really like drunk and high by the time we left. And my dad picked me and my brother up. <laughs> and oh, nice. Ooh, that's um, <laughs> I was pretty chill. Um, but like in the car, I was getting freaking car sick because of the movement. <laughs> so I felt I was like the whole time I had my eyes closed, I was pretending yeah. that I was asleep, but I felt like super sick. So that was fun 10 out of 10 recommend would 100% do it again my this is a little complicated story okay so we have three dogs right there's everest he's he's the male he's okay. he's the male right. very important everstino then there's cookies that's my brother's dog she's a girl and then there's my dog ash and we knew that cookies was pregnant so she gave birth the puppy didn't make it because it was a little graphic that there was a lot of blood and I think an attempted murder from one of the dogs to the puppy because when I went outside it was in yeah it was in the mouth it was really graphic it was so much I literally cried my eyes out oh my god that sounds like murder not attempted murder Lenny yeah so we tried to save it but then um i went to work i literally like was crying and then 30 minutes was like shit i gotta go to work so i was like not in the best state of mind when i went to work and then after work i went out with my coworkers. we got a drink and then my brother picked me up and they're like yeah like the puppy didn't make it we're gonna put it down Mm. so that was all so that was one then two weeks later i like went to my friends for her brother's birthday party and i come back home and there's like oh my god like cookies had another baby and we're like what so we're like a little i'm like confused which like the vet did say that it was a possibility and then (laughs) how does dog reproductiveness work i don't know so she gave birth to one but not the other let me keep going with the story 
So then I'm like, literally, I go upstairs. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a shower and then I'm going to go to sleep because I got to work, like, I got to open in the morning. And I'm about to shower and my sister's like, calls me yelling and she's like, I shot a baby. And I'm like, huh? And I'm like, ain't no way. So I go downstairs and yeah, there's a baby in the bathroom, a little puppy, little white puppy. And that one didn't make it, only made it two days. No quería comer. The other one, the one that I sent you, yeah, that's the one that made it. That's that's the one that would at the beginning. So my dog had two puppies because I'm like, my brother's like, it's cookies, his baby's like, I don't think so because it looks exactly like my dog. And he's in denial. He's like, nah, 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 it's cookies. Because we like, se lo dimos a ella porque, y lo pegamos con ella porque we thought that it was hers. Because we didn't know my dog was pregnant at all. Like, I was shook. I was like, there's no, like, we didn't know she was pregnant. So we gave it to Cookies. And, like, yeah. then um, Ash, like, didn't really, like, want the puppies either. Like, los tira, los hacia al lado. So we gave it to Cookies. And Cookies has been, like, Aww. raising it and feeding it. <laughs> She's the father that stepped up. <laughs> so yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think that so Ash Ash is Ash not being a mom. Is Ash is not being abandoned her children. Cookie stepped wow. up. Okay, and yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ! Also, get that man. Right? Also, I'm like, I think I think he misgendered it because we thought it was time. a girl. The the puppy, and then and then I was like the other day I like. Lo, lo carrie, and I was like, that don't look right. <laughs> that don't look right. That, that looks like a boy to me, not a girl. So that's um that. Uh, what else? What's the thing you didn't want your sister to hear? That's what I want to know. Okay, so I'm kind of seeing like five different guys right now. <laughs> She's got a roster. <laughs> wow. Okay, there's this one guy. That I like see like I don't save the numbers y'all do like on like I don't save and to become relevant so one of them I talk to kind of frequently we're supposed to hang out when he comes back from Colorado so he's been sending me pictures like all the time from like his trip and stuff. He seems cool. Oh, I thought this was going to go in a different way. <laughs> nah. Nah. I also thought she was going to say that, Maria. Wow, seems, we're traumatized. He seems cool. Um, so we're supposed to go watch a movie when he comes back. Then there's this other guy that I hook up with kind of frequently. Yes, I'm being... Oh, shit. Are you being didn't safe? you I had a pregnancy scare. <laughs> I feel that like we've missed an entire season of your life. I just feel uh, oh, wow. Um, so you're not I being saved. Being so saved. You're not, Lenny, what is you're not being saved? Safe people this don't is a end baby up with free pregnancy podcast. scares. Yeah, no, I was scared. You're getting condoms for your this is for a Christmas baby free podcast. Jesus. Um but yeah, there's this one <laughs> plan B. <laughs> Please do. Plan B. How many plan Bs can you take? Like, <laughs> you should not be taking. No, them no, no, that no, no. Often. Theoretically, like, <laughs> like, it's like, what do you mean? Like within? No, a week? like in a year. No. Like just one, right? That sounds about. I think you can take more than one. <laughs> I heard this one girl took like eight on a month, and I'm just like, how, how are, are you alive? Doing though, like, yeah, yeah, because it. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't it like force you to have a period? You're the you're the women know. in STEM here. <laughs> yeah, you're the woman in STEM, baby. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had to take one. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I like I was like scared as fuck because like I we did hadn't had my period in a while and um and then I was like super nauseous. You let a man put his baby juices in you. She's like, I plead the fifth. <laughs> what is Bad Bunny saying? His baby gravy. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like super nauseous that entire, those couple of days. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And I took, it came, it came back negative. And I took a couple okay. more. They came back negative. So it was just a scare, guys. But yeah, after that, I haven't, yeah. 
scary. I know. I feel like we're having an intervention Uh, with you now. It started off, I'm talking to five guys, and then now it's like, okay, but uh, yeah. A pregnancy scare. Would you, okay, in the best, would you have known which guy it was? Yes. Okay. Well, at least you know that. And it would have been a terrible thing. Okay, yeah. great. So we we dodged a bullet. We dodged uh, a big bullet. Okay. What else? Um, oh, I'm going to train to be a tech, Ooh, a pharmacy tech. That's fun. So we love a pay raise. So we're moving up. Uh, Once you do that, Lenny, you should find a class where you can do, you probably have it at your like local, like your community college, like compounding so that you mm-hmm. can get paid even more money. Mm. I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna write it down. Um, what else has happened? Um, I think those are like the biggest things. But yeah, wow, that the biggest things, yeah. and they were huge. Yeah. Those were that was the time. Yeah, that was some time. Those were like actual yeah. life updates. That like. was a, that, <laughs> that, that was big life updates. Wow, Lenny. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll go next. <laughs> um, I just got back from camping. We went to um, I saw. We went to Paladuro in Amarillo or near Amarillo, and uh, we went on like a six mile hike. It was crazy. I've done like five miles on the Katy Trail and then got like drunk like halfway through. But six miles like hiking is like real different than like six miles walking. And I have like bad planter issues. So now like my, my foot's hurting a little bit. But you know, it was glamping. We went like in the RV with my parents, my sister and my boyfriend. It was a lot of fun. It's beautiful. I'm starting to like really like camping again because it's in the RV. I feel like there was a time where I like resented going on camping trips with my parents because I hated tent camping. Mm. Um, but I love the RV. I fuck with an RV like very, very heavy. Give me some AC, a toilet, a shower some internet where you know i'm gucci like it's it's a fun it's a it's a lot better time but and the reason that i kind of brought Susie on today and why we're here is i have a really shitty sad story to share a couple weeks ago actually a month ago it was actually we were out for Susie's birthday and we we're having such a good time we were we were in trinity groves and we were hanging out there and we went to an axe throwing place and I was like really excited to start to try axe throwing and then I wasn't. Sorry, Susie. I was so scared. Have y'all have y'all ever done axe throwing? I was terrified. I threw one and I was like, okay, I think I'm good. I think I threw it a total of two times and I just could not. It's so scary. They're like, okay, don't do this so it doesn't bounce back like into your fucking face. And I was like, and I did it once and it, it didn't bounce in my face, but it like bounced. And then I did it again and it bounced again. And I was like, this is too much. And then sure enough, Eric got hit in the back with an axe. Like obviously like blunt side, he's fine. But he had like a bruise from it and stuff. It was just all around. It did not feel safe. (laughs) I imagine if you do it correctly, like Susie had a good handle of what she was doing. However, I was scared. But we went on after that to Deep Ellum. And I feel like Deep Ellum has this rap lately about being rowdy unsafe a lot of people um get into fights there people there's like always shootings there we've talked about it before on the podcast but if you're not from dallas it's just the bar hopping area it's like similar to sixth street or seventh street in fort worth um it's just a street of it's a couple blocks of bars that we go to often and I've never had problems at. I've always stood by like, as long as you're minding your own business and you're not like purposely like just in the middle of the streets, you'll be fine. So we were there and we so we were all driving in separate cars from Trinity Groves to Debellum, which is probably like, I don't know, like a 15 minute drive. It's not very far. And... Eric and I are in the car at an intersection and I'm going to try my best to not get emotional. We're in the car at an intersection. We're at a stop sign and there's a girl on the other side of the street. So she's walking towards us and she starts crossing the street. She starts like, she's like in a jog. She's almost running. And the way that the street is set up is like 
cars can park along in the street. So you don't really have a good vantage point of the traffic coming in if you can't see from the parked cars. And I'm assuming that she could not see over the parked cars. And she ran in to traffic while there was a car coming and she, she got hit by a car. And it was really, really graphic. I don't, I, you've, you know, you see accidents in like movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you see people either get up or they're okay. Like this was not gentle in any kind of way. I don't want to get super, I don't want to get graphic and into detail, but it, it was not gentle and it was, it, it was not a soft hit collision. And Eric and I kind of like froze. I think both of us were kind of expecting her to like get up and she did not. And this is all, hap- this all happened like so quickly. So once we like, you know, it's probably been like 10 seconds from the time that she gets hit and we notice that she's like not going to get up. That we like, I like grab my phone, Eric gets out of the car He like runs towards her. I think the guys in the car behind us had also seen what happened. So they start like running towards her. And um, thankfully the car that hit her stopped. So I'm on the phone with like 911 and I'm like calling 911 and I'm talking to them. And from where I was still like across the street, I did not walk towards her. um, Mostly because traffic was still going It was still going back and forth as this woman is like laying there on the ground. So I stood on the other side of the street. Eric ran towards her. I'm like talking to 911. I'm like telling them what happened, telling them that the the car is still there. The car that hit her, they're still there. Then I see Eric like take off in like a completely different direction. I don't even have time because I'm like talking to the people on that 911. I don't even have time to ask him like where the fuck he's going or why he's like, he literally just sprints in the opposite direction of where we came. So then I, I get off the phone with 911 and they said they're, like, they're going to have somebody there immediately. And I'm like, okay. And I decide to like walk towards her now. And cause there's like a, a bigger group gathered and like traffic is like starting to slow down. And 911 didn't really like tell me anything like they weren't like, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to make sure no one does this or make sure like they didn't tell me anything. So I called my sister. I think everybody knows if you've listened before, you know, my sister's a nurse. She's also an ICU nurse. So she sees, you know, she doesn't see like trauma patients, but usually people who are recovering from trauma, traumatic injuries, stuff like that. So I called her and I learned, I'm like crying, telling her what happened. I'm like freaking out. And she's like, you you need to make sure that nobody touches her. Nobody moves her head. It's like very important that nobody like moves her head because she has a really bad brain injury. Moving her head could make it worse. It was very obvious that she had hit her head very, very hard. And so there's like guys checking her pulse. There's like got people just like crowded around. I'm like the only girl at this time and Eric is still gone. I still have no idea what he's going through. So I'm like screaming at everyone to leave her alone, to not touch her, to quit messing with her. And then one of the guys who was in the car behind us, they were both dentists. Um, So they were, one of them was checking her pulse and they were like, I can't feel her pulse anymore. Um, Cause initially she was like breathing and she was doing okay. And she had a pulse and they were like, I can't feel her pulse anymore. This has all happened like from the time of the accident to the, to what I'm talking about right here has probably been about two, three minutes. Okay. So this is all happening really, really quickly. So he's like, I'm going to start giving her CPR. And I'm like, okay. He starts giving her CPR, maybe like seconds into giving him, giving her CPR. Eric comes up and what he had done is he ran to the other block of Deep Ellum to go find cops. Cops are always patrolling in Deep Ellum. They're just like posted up. You just got to find them. And he found cops and he brought them to them. They're traffic cops. Like they don't, you know, respectfully, they don't know what they're doing. You could tell that they were waiting for the other cops to come in. And as soon as they got there, which was maybe really a minute after these Deep Ellum cops get here and the cop starts taking over and doing 
CPR, which is when I think you and Ivan walked up, right, Susie? Like when the cops had just gotten there. I don't remember exactly what, from what I remember, we had, we were pulling up on that street, like where that car that hit her was going, like traffic, like going through this traffic. Yeah. And so we're pulling up and we start like seeing like, cars have their emergency lights on and they're stopped and so we're a little confused we're like are people getting dropped off or picked up right here like that's kind of dangerous like y'all need to keep it moving because traffic is moving like you know don't want to be caught up like in an accident so there's a couple of cars in front of us who are stopped we go around them and we're about to turn um on that other side of the intersection where like um, the girl was where Bree and Eric were. And so we're turning and Ivan, my boyfriend, he sees them and he asks them like what happened. And Eric tells us that she just got hit. So we go park to where we typically park. Cause that's where we were all going. I think we're going to go park in this little, like yeah. lot that we park in. And so we go park. Um, we come back. I mean, we have to cross like walk by her while she's laying on the floor. I try not to like look much at her because I know if I do like I'm I don't do well with like fluids and stuff, but like I saw enough to know like what had happened. Um and so I guess by the time we pull up you had already everything that you just talked about like had happened. Yeah. Um I see Brie, I like start walking her away from the situation. I'm kind of like just making observations around everybody so like she we went over there my boyfriend kind of uh, stayed with Eric um my cousin and her husband also pulled up um a little bit after because they were following us so they like kind of stayed and so we're out here like waiting on the sidewalk in the corner my instinct like um like as a therapist was just like okay she's in shock what can we do to make sure there's like not like a panic attack or like just keeping her grounded to like, you know, here. And so I'm trying to do like just some breathing exercises, but also just trying to see like what else is going on around them and just seeing how everybody else is kind of reacting. But like my focus was like, great, just like, okay, just don't look over there, you know, focus on your breathing. The cops are here. My cousin was, um, she worked, she was a nurse, she was a CNA. Um, and so she was kind of giving like a, what's going on? Like, cause they saw her, like, we saw her like get, um, put into the ambulance. Like you saw things that were like shadows of what was happening in the ambulance. My cousin, I think was just trying to provide some reassurance. She's like, oh, they're just making her, she's stable enough to go to the hospital. Like she's okay. She's still alive. Like these are just the protocols that they have to do before they get the ambulance moving. Cause the ambulance was there for a very, very long time. It felt like a very long time. It felt like a, like they stayed on scene for like, I don't know, probably like 10 to 12 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes before they took her to Baylor downtown, which is only like four minutes from Deep Ellum. It is not it. a far drive. Yeah, you you could see it from where we were. That's how close it was. And so for the we you know we suspected from them that immediately taking her that she was probably not stable. So yeah, like that was happening. But I also was like, I would look every now and then at the other block where like Eric ran towards, and it was just kind of surreal to see people just you know they're drunk, they're running across the street like this and that and then they have no idea about what's going on like over here that was what really resonated with me from that night was just like the two different realities that we're experiencing and it was only like a block away it was very surreal I like we like Susie said I was just trying to keep it together because I was so shocked. I was so, I can't believe I just witnessed that like right in front of me. It, it was wild. And then um, we had to stay there a while. We were there probably like an hour, an hour and a half because a lot of people wanted to talk to me and Eric, a lot of detectives, a lot of police officers wanted to talk to us. So we were there for a while. We were there for a while. And like the drive home when they were finally like, okay, you can go. 
the drive home was originally they were like, there's one more detective y'all need to talk to. I don't know how long it's going to be. Um, and then they finally were like, we'll just call y'all. The drive home was very unreal is I just can't, it, it didn't, it almost felt like, I don't know, like how was I even like going through the motions of like driving home and what felt like so it was like, so dystonia. Like I was so out of my element. So like, um, what is the word dissociated Eric hadn't eaten all night and it by the time we got like over here to Plano it was like one in the morning and so he's like I'm really hungry and I was like okay and we like stopped to get McDonald's and like eating McDonald's a bitch loves McDonald's I love McDonald's I don't care what people say about it I love McDonald's eating McDonald's was like it felt like the most like disrespectful thing that I could do if that makes sense like I just watched someone die we found out she she passed away um like uh, the next day she passed away that night but we found out the next day I just watched someone die very horribly very graphically very like instantly in front of my face and now I'm going to eat chicken nuggets. Like it just like nothing felt right. Like it didn't feel right to do. Yes. Yeah. Like nothing felt correct. Eric had to go to work the next day. It was like a Friday night. So Eric had to go to work the next day, but I was like home by myself. And it was like the biggest struggle for me to like, I was very scared of my car super scared of my car. So I was grappling with like, I don't know why, but I felt this need to, to drive. Like if I did not drive, I felt like I couldn't drive. Like I wouldn't be able to drive later. Like it would just be like too debilitating. So I like grappled with myself until like 1 PM. Like I'm an early riser and I finally at one and I was like, okay, like I need to just get in the car and drive. And, and I, I was able to, and I, I didn't really have like a problem. Like I was okay. It was fine. I think it was just like the, the anticipation or the anxiety of being near a car after it just like killed someone was very real. Also this idea that like I could kill someone with like my car was like very frightening. It was, it was difficult. Susie, what were your feelings like, like the day after? It definitely felt like that dissonance too with like, all of that happened and then here I am right now just kind of going on with my day as normal and since like nobody really knew they had no idea like internally what was going on I had a therapy session the next day and so I was able to process kind of that a little like almost immediately but um Part of like my pro- so there's a lot of stuff like going on with my dad. He's alive, but he's not here. Um, he has frontal temporal dementia, and so there's been a lot of like grief and loss and kind of like death um, that I've been experiencing over like the last year or so. And so I remember that night I was just like, you know, there's a reason that this happened like we weren't meant to be out here you know this long like we were meant to go home we weren't meant to go to the bars or anything like or whatnot the next day my therapist was like well what if you were meant to see death because in my family we haven't really experienced death I've never really experienced death and she was like what if this was kind of like a preparation for for that and um, a lot of a conversation, you know, the only thing that's guaranteed in life is death, right? And we never know when we're going to die. We never know when somebody else is going to die. I think with like my dad, it kind of put it into a perspective where like his death seems scarier because we kind of like know he's not going to be here, you know, much longer. But it's like, I cannot make it out tonight, you know? I'm over here thinking about all the things he's not going to be here for. But it's like, what if I don't even make it to those things? And so it's like, just kind of made me realize what are my core beliefs about death? 
you know, culturally, religiously, and just like in general. And so um, I reframed it from like, we weren't meant to be out there to like, I was meant to see this just so there's that experience for me that I don't really have. My therapy session was not until Monday. I moved it up though, because it wasn't supposed to be until Tuesday. But uh, I called into work that morning and I set aside time to talk to my therapist that day too, or the, the Monday after. And I was similarly, I, I was struggling with the fact that while I, while people say like, you know, life is so short, I, it's never been thrusted in my face like that. Um, quite literally like in my face like that. I've never realized like how life could be so fleeting. I don't know if you felt this way, Susie, but I think it very much struck a chord because not only was this girl like close to our age, but she's doing things that we like doing. Like she's out in Deep Ellum, probably meeting her friends, maybe meeting her boyfriend. Like who knows? Like, that could have been like us, this, honestly. Had we gone in there? It, it, yes, it 100% could earlier. have been us. And so I like, you know, those are the kind of things that I was grappling with with my therapist is like, I feel like I just got this like reality check that like, dead ass tomorrow is not promised like and I feel like it kind of made me like Susie's talking about her core values if I it kind of made me feel very like conscious of like my time like am I like thinking like am I doing something of quality that like I really enjoy or am I am I putting up with something like my free time now is very much more like is this something I really want to do is this something I have to do Um, it's been an interesting time, like grappling with like saying no to things. Like we had a family party the other day and I could have gone to it and I just decided I didn't need to like, there'll be other family parties and hopefully they will. And I won't, you know, something like that won't happen to me, but it's just like there to me, there was something else pertinent that I would have rather much rather been at. And so I've been like kind of leveling the scales and like trying to figure out like, what is really quality to me? It's been it's been an interesting time. Also, like mourning a stranger is one of the weirdest things I've ever had to experience. One of the things that I told my therapist was that like I wish I just knew her name so that I could one see if I I, I just needed to know her. I needed to know her. I don't know why. I don't know if honestly knowing her made anything worse or made anything better, but I, I needed to know her. Literally right after my therapy session, a couple hours later, um, I found I found out her name. I was, we also found out that she had a daughter. She had like an eight-year-old, which was really fucking sad. But I was struggling with and what I told my, my therapist with is like, I have a lot of grief that like, and I have a lot of like, heaviness and sorrow in my heart because I feel like she died alone. Like she wasn't with friends. She wasn't around friends. Like all I can think about is her, her people are probably calling her up. Like, where the fuck are you? You said you were going to be here like 10 minutes ago. Like, where are you? And it just, it hurt me a lot to know that at that moment that she died, no one knew or no one in her life knew that she had died. And so that I struggled with that a lot. I feel like knowing her and finding out about her and finding like a little bit about her story did help. I felt like it gave me closure, especially the fact that like I feel like I'm not mourning her by myself. Like she has this whole loving family and unfortunately a daughter who are praying for her, giving her well wishes, mourning her. I I felt a lot of like almost like selfishness for mourning her as because I didn't know her. When her whole family, like, they lost, like, a loved one, whereas I lost a stranger. And so mourning her felt very selfish and almost, like, guilty in a way that I was, like, hurting this hard for someone I didn't know. It was the grief I felt for her was like losing a family member. Like, it, it, uh, like, I've lost people in my life and I, 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 it was very rough. I was having a lot of flashbacks. I don't know 
if you were Susie, I don't know if it's so much that I like saw it. So it was very graphic. I don't, thankfully Susie tried to like take me away and like not show me like the rest of like, I'm giving her CPR because it looked awful, horrible. But like I was having a lot of flashbacks and they were like very vivid. Susie that night after we, Susie and I hung out the Tuesday. So it happened on Friday. We hung out the Tuesday after it happened. That drive from the restaurant we went to eat back to my apartment, I completely dissociated and I drove like 20 minutes past my exit because I was just thinking about it. It was a rough recovery. I feel a lot better for it now. I want to say that like, I'm so thankful that being brought up in a culture that, that sees death as like a part of life has helped me so much that sees death as this like beautiful transition versus like this thing that happens to people has helped so, so much. Yeah. I have always been into Dia de los Muertos. Um, my parents have been putting up an altar for a couple of years now. I've always resonated with me, but it's ne- I've never had the connection that I had this year as I've had it years before. I feel the like... Like, when loss happens, when death happens, right, like, it brings up all of the other death that you've experienced, and I feel that, like, like, this was the first year that I ever put up on ofrenda, because I feel that, like, yes, like, our culture celebrates it, but I also feel that, like, I come from a mother who experienced trauma, right, like, And this is something that, like, I have also been reflecting on because, like, a few weeks ago, like, somebody that I went to high school with and I knew him, like, we did debates together, like, he passed away. And similar to you, like, I feel that, like, it brought up a lot of sentiments of, like, when I pass, like, how am I going to be remembered? Like, how are my parents going to communicate my life? Like, how are they going to communicate my death, right? Especially considering all of the homophobia, like, in our culture right i'm just like am i going to be remembered by like this or am i going to be remembered by that right so like and it wasn't that like and i I told my therapist i was like i feel very selfish because it's just like my best friend was like crying with me on the phone that like our friend had passed that he had like you know that we didn't know how he had passed and to me it kind of just like froze me and it flooded like all of these feelings that I feel like I was already repressing about death right not too long ago or maybe like a year or two ago like I lost four family members like in a very graphic tragic accident so I feel that like it really surfaced like this idea of mortality and remembrance and in some way like to me it brought anger because it's just like my mom lost her mom at around my age And I was six years old when my grandma passed. My sister was like a one month old. So my mom lost her mom like very early, right? And like, I feel that because of that, my perceptions of death was always my mom's, right? My mom was very scared of death. Like she Mm -hmm. never wanted to talk about it. She never wanted to talk about family members who had passed. Like it was always something that like, we just didn't talk about, right? And so, like, I feel that, like, I didn't have or and I'm still working on, right, having tools on how you process that. And I feel that, like, similar to you, like, my ofrenda this year felt liberating because it felt that, like, it was like a a reclaiming of, like, the way that I want to, like, move through death and passing, right? And, like, it felt really weird because it's just, like, in like in the in like the way that my mom conceptualized death and therefore the way that I was sort of indoctrinated into it was like it's just final like people start thinking about you people stop talking to you and that always felt like something that was really hurtful so like and I'm sorry I'm getting sad this is something I've been talking to my therapist a lot recently and it's wild that like death has been a topic for y'all too And it's like, I feel that like leaning into sort of our cultural practices has allowed me to see that like 
death doesn't mean like an all end all be all like non-existence because it's just like like once november 1st started rolling around like it felt like the energy of my family was like around me and like i feel that to me like there's like a added layer of that because a lot of my family the important family has passed and like didn't know that i was gay or like didn't really know that part of me so like it felt especially nice to have them like enter my home and like see my reality now right because it's just like you're entering in my home you're seeing the way that like i'm living my life and so like it brought up a lot of that and it's just like it felt very selfish because it happened like all of that was resurfaced because of the death of somebody i knew and again he was my age and he was living like a very parallel life to me like he went to law school while i was getting my master's degree like he started like this really fancy clerkship while i started my doctoral program so similar to you like i feel that like i'm grappling with that question of like what is worth my time like if i have very limited time like what is worth it and so like that in itself like i was ready to move back to Dallas like I remember you yeah like I and honestly it's still something that I'm grappling with like is this degree worth missing out like is this like whatever right like like and I joke around it like with Malika or like even like with other friends I'm just like I wish that like we were still back in the day where like all of us would probably just like engage in like making tortillas and chismeando and not have to worry about going to work, getting degrees, having professionalism because everything was built in within community, right? And so it's just been like really it's been a lot to reflect on and I feel that like to me when you talk about like needing to know her name is also this idea of like humanizing her, right? Like you met her when her life ended, right? So it's just like you wanted to remember her as who she was and who she was to other people, right? Like the relationships that she had and things like that cuz like I feel that like it's wild to think about the ways that like you want to be remembered, right? And like you want people to grieve you and you want people to just like celebrate your life or acknowledge like who you were. And so I think that that in itself is like something that you did that like also allowed her to even in in your consciousness, right? maintain a sense of like who she is outside of this tragic thing that happened to her cuz that just seems like a lot to have to navigate through like witnessing this right yeah if i told my therapist i was like i just witnessed this woman in problem in the most vulnerable state yeah. of her life and unfortunately yeah. end of life and i don't know her and that feels inappropriate and even like disrespectful like you said to some degree like how dare i not know who you are yes it it did like yeah a lot of heaviness and Susie, unlike you i feel that like to some degree also like death has been desensitized i feel that like for me like the first family that passed away was at six and i feel that like it just has happened so much after that but then like like i said like how do you cope through loss like how do how do people do it like and even when i think about my mom okay so like my grandma passed away when my mom was like 26 27 which is the age that i am now that in itself has like fucked with me ever since i turned 26 but like not too long ago my mom got super drunk and i mean like super drunk i my mom was saying that she was taking shots like they were water. And I'm like, first of all, ma'am, you don't drink. Why the fuck are you drinking? But my dad called me because my mom was like sobbing, like sobbing, yelling at the top of her lungs about the loss of her of her brother, like her oldest brother, my godfather. And it was just so sad because my mom was stuck in like these wailing like episode, right, where she's just like, it's because I'm such a bad person. 
it's because like I did something like I'm a piece of shit. Like this happened to me because like I did something wrong and like I have to pay for what I've done. And in that moment, like it made me really mad with Catholicism, the way that like we're indoctrinated to think that everything that we do has like negative consequences. And like, and so like Mm -hmm. in that moment, I was just like, well, what the fuck? Like, you are not a bad person. You're not like, you're obviously nobody's like angels, like little saints, right? But like, why do you think that his passing is like your fault? And it made me really sad because I'm just like, do then do you think that your dad's passing is your fault? Do you think that your mom's passing is your fault? And I feel that like in that moment, I was just like, I don't want that to be my reality, right? I don't want these ideas to happen, but I'm like, I don't know how people cope through death. I guess that's my question. How do you cope? I think something helped me process um, in one of the um, therapy modalities called acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT for short, they have one of their core... um, things is the self in context as we aren't the things that are happening to us. We're just the ones, we're the ones experiencing them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I really attached myself to that, especially after this. And then just really with everything that's been going on, like with my dad previously, I was like, well, why him? Like, why this, why that? Like from going from feeling like he was specifically picked out, of a basket to have this happen to, to reframing my thinking to, unfortunately, you know, things in life are going to happen. That's life. Unfortunately, you know, it's good things, it's bad things. And I think as long as we have that expectation set forth, when things do happen, we're not caught off as much, like caught off guard as much, you know, Mm -hmm. like with Bree said in, our culture, death is expected. So when a loss happens, we're not caught off guard as much as others probably in other cultures who don't want to expect death or don't want to expect like bad things happening. And so I think um, one, and you know, everybody has their individual therapist and every therapist has their own um, ways that they do. But if you haven't tapped into acceptance and commitment therapy for grief, I would bring it up because it's helped me. It helps a lot of my patients who see grief all the time too. Um, They're always experiencing a loss, whether it's the death of somebody or just losing something in general, that's still like grieving something. And then there's no one right right way to grieve. Everybody grieves differently. Um, I think accepting that too, acknowledging that uh, grief isn't linear. You know, we may feel all these different types of things. Emotions are normal. They give us information about our environment. We need to listen to to our emotions. And um, there's this one book that I read a couple of years ago. That probably sounds familiar. The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. Have you all read that before? Mm -mm. No, but... When we've yeah, we so that came yeah. to mind. I think we've all heard about it. When yeah. you mentioned, you know, when you experience death, all the other losses that you've experienced kind of like come up. I would suggest tapping into that book. It's a hard read in terms of it's going to bring up a lot of stuff, but it's really good. Like after I read it, I just felt a lot lighter in terms of just like all of the stuff that we experience all the time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that happens to us directly. It could be something that we've witnessed, something that we've heard about, you know, something that we, you know, stuff like that. And so I think I have a copy if anybody wants to read it. But I think just, you know, instead of asking how do, does anybody cope with grief? It's like, what does grief or coping look like? That's a good reframe. Mm. Not the deep side where you're like, (laughs) <laughs> where where do we go for a like it's like how do you be like okay that's the end of the podcast thank you uh, the transitions are it is, it's a rough topic i feel and i feel that like a lot of us like talk about like yeah de los muertos and things like that but we really don't talk about that coping, right? What does, like, sort of, like, Susie, like you said, like, what does coping look 
like for you like what are the realities of coping right what are what are these moments where like grief doesn't look linear where it pops back up or it sort of like I feel that like something that came up while you were talking is sort of also this idea of like lack of mobility like not knowing what to do not knowing what to say not knowing how to navigate and just being like stuck like buffering like uh I don't I don't know so I feel that like we don't talk enough about that part of it like we know once we're out of that that like we celebrate death and we know what death means we know what is after or whatever people's belief system, right? But if you believe, if you like, you celebrate Dia de los Muertos, you believe in some semblance of like afterlife, right? Afterlife. So like, you know that there's something after. Um, also, weirdly enough, and this is off topic, um, but a lot of shows have been popping up of the ideas of like afterlife, like on my feed. And I was just like, I started watching one and it's called like Upload, it's on Amazon Prime. And that messed with me, like, probably a great show, but I was just like, I it was too much for me to handle, compounded on top of everything else. But I'm like, why do I keep getting suggestions yeah. for shows about death and the afterlife? Like For me, it was TikTok and all the pet ofrendas. Oh, um, those, oh my God. As, um, we've talked about it on the podcast, but we had to put down my dog this year. So this was the first year that he was on my parents' ofrenda. And, uh, oh, my gosh, those were getting to me so, so hard. Also, I was seeing a lot of, like, Katrina, like, um, Katrina TikTok. So, like, it's they have one in Fort Worth. It's, like, a oh. competition. And my sister is thinking about doing it next year, which is crazy because I'm thinking about entering into the Latino Cultural Center's Ofrenda oh, exhibit that's next so year. so beautiful. Um, so I've already, like, told my my mom, my, my mom, my tia, my sister, my cousin, and my grandma that I want to do it and if they would help me. So we're, like, so we've started, like, talking and in the talks and like design because uh i really, really want to do that are so nice like all of the showings are so nice i'm excited i'm excited to see this yeah i'm really excited i don't want to end on rex but maybe we can end on advice do you want to end on advice and it doesn't have to be about necessarily about mm. grief or death or anything like that but just any advice we want to give today um i'll let i'll go first so maybe i'll tell you think my advice, and I feel like this is often my advice, is to just give yourself grace. Um, that was my word of the year, and I feel like this is my first time that I've, like, really yeah. set my thoughts and, like, really resonated with, like, my word of the year. Um, you need breaks. You 100% need breaks, and it is okay to need breaks, and you should be taking breaks. So give yourself that time to rest because... That is how you become better. That is how you get better. Um, you deserve breaks. Your body needs breaks. Your mind needs breaks. So just give yourself the grace to to rest. I think mine would be don't should yourself. I should have done this or I could have done that or I would have do this. But that, it takes away from the present moment. And I think very yeah. recently I've been kind of forced to learn to live in the present moment um, instead of trying to be like, I could have done this, I should have done that, or I thinking about the future, what may or may not happen. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, the things that we tell ourselves may sound true at that moment in time, but we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And so um, I think that extends into breeze of give yourself grace is don't shed yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't demand too much of yourself. Um, and again, that looks different for everybody too. So identifying what that means to you is really important. I think that for me, it's like to celebrate like whatever success or victory looks like for you, whether small or big, like if it's like, oh, I finally got out of bed after having like a depressive episode, right? Or it's like finally clean my room after it, whatever, right? I feel that like similar like in the in the same line of like grace right I feel that a lot of the times we don't celebrate things that we should be like we're hung up on like 
the the negatives or sort of like Susie, like you said, the what ifs or I should have done better, I could have done better, I need to do better, right? We should celebrate and acknowledge all the good that exit that we are doing and that is happening around us, especially with just like so much that is happening like in the world. I think that leaning into holding on to that those successes or victories, whatever they look like for you, is can also go a long way. Me, oh man. Um wear a condom. Wear a condom. <laughs> this episode is such a turn. We start off with these whole activities and then we crying at the end. <laughs> you never know on here. Roller coaster. Oh man. I think for me, I guess surround yourself with people you love. And I think to me, like, I've slowly, like, even within my own family, I've kind of, like, slowly, like, just started cutting people off or, like, because they don't have the best intentions in my personal life and that's fine. And I hate it when people are just like, oh, but, you know, they're your family whatever like that doesn't matter at the end of the day if they're gonna if they don't bring anything positive into you i just let it go so yeah just surround yourself with the people that truly matter to you and you think are important in your life that's my advice we love it that is going to be it from us guys thank you so much for listening i know this one wasn't as upbeat as normal but um important things to talk about i feel like the um, if you can't talk about them with anyone else then you can talk about them with us so hit us Mm -hmm. up in our dms comment us on our stuff we want to hear from you guys so make sure you drop a comment or drop a like or hit us up in our DM so we can talk to you. But thank you so much for listening. Um, you guys have a beautiful Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye.